We are so glad you've joined us today for our Tuesday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we are continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Soon your trials will be over. It is a bit of a guilty conscience as well. He probably remembers the prophet Samuel telling him the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. He's probably wondering in every uh, turn of David's success, is this the time? Is this the time that God is going to take the kingdom from me? You know, and, he, and he's worried about these things. He's worried about these things. And it was a very big overreaction. And so it says in verse 9, So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. It's interesting to me how Saul can continue to prophesy with the distressing spirit on him. But here's something also very interesting. The Hebrew word prophecy can also be, um, could also be uh, seen as uh, meaning raving, as in raving mad. And so what could be happening here is that it could be interpreted that um, he is raving as in a madman. And so when I look at the context, that seems to me more of what is probably happening here. He's raving like a madman. Or if he is prophesying, it could be that he's prophesying falsely, um, or he could be prophesying like Balaam, in spite of himself. So any one of those three, I think you have a pretty good case with. You have a pretty good case with. Uh, so David played music with his hand, as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. Interesting. And Saul casts the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall, but David escaped his presence twice. Notice it says that there was a spear in Saul's hand, and then it says that he cast, and it, the word is the spear. There's a, there's a definite article there. Bringing your attention to this spear. What is it about this spear that should be brought to your attention? And I would submit to you, because of what we've gone over in chapter 17, and how we were able to see uh, the presence of Goliath there with his spear, that the very tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds that this was a very, very impressive spear. And, and is it possible that this is the spear that is in Saul's presence that he uses to pin David to the wall? It's a possibility. It's a possibility. It's just interesting that it says the spear. Bringing attention, there's something about this spear that we're supposed to be looking at here. Um, but David escaped his presence twice which tells me that Saul threw the spear twice, which tells me after the first time, David came back again to play music, only to have him throw it at him again. And he missed again. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. David does this time and time and time and time again. We see this all through uh, David's life concerning Saul. He has tremendous respect for Saul because he knows he is the Lord's anointed. Um, Saul acts in the flesh. 
he takes matters into his own hands. Uh, he throws spears. David will have none of it. David instead trusts the Lord, and in doing so, David will not only dodge a spear that could end his life, he's also going to dodge a spear that can ruin his soul. In 1 Peter 2.23, it says, But when he was reviled, speaking of Jesus, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. That's what David does. We have a, a book that we've gone over with our staff and uh, here, and it's called The Tale of Three Kings. And it goes over this kind of section of Scripture, and um, it talks about um, how sometimes God will put you in front of a mad king. And why does he put you in front of a mad king? Uh, it's to get the mad king out of you. And so he'll be irrational. You're thinking of your supervisor, your your coworker, whatever it might be, you're thinking, oh man, I'm under a Saul. Well, if you are under a Saul, the reason is because God wants to get the Saul out of you. And so he's going to throw spears. And you know what you learn to do when you're a David? You learn to be really good at dodging spears. And then it says something there that I've, I've never forgotten that I've always really liked. It says, you can always tell when somebody's been hit by a spear. They turn a deep shade of bitter. And that is so true. And so not only does he dodge them physically, he dodges them spiritually in the way of it doesn't affect him in his relationships with other people or his relationship with Saul. He feels sorry for him. He doesn't revile in return. He doesn't get bitter over this experience. In Hebrews twelve fourteen, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. When the Bible says, be angry but do not sin, when it says, do not let the the, uh, sun go down on your anger, here's the reason why. is because anger, if not taken care of, brought before the Lord, dealt with immediately, turns into bitterness and it begins to take root in you and the interesting thing about bitterness is is that everybody can see it but you it is so entrenched in you it it has its roots so deeply entrenched in you that it's a part of you and you can't see it but if you're honest and and you actually talk to people that truly do know you and truly do love you, they'll tell you. They'll say, you know, I, I, think, I think you're getting bitter over this. I'm not bitter. That's usually a sign that you are. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I think you are. You, you can't let go of this. Whenever this person's name's brought up, you, you kind of twitch a little bit, you know, and you get this little twitch going, and there, there's something there. You were angry with them, and you've never let it go. And here's the thing, you received whatever blow they threw your way. And not all the time, but I would say 90% of the time that's your fault. Because you didn't have to receive it. And this is what I mean by that. The first thing I would say is that, let me ask you, this person that said this about you, are they a loving person in Jesus Christ? Well, no. Then why are you letting this affect you? 
Well, they said this about me. Okay, well, it's because they don't know Jesus. Is what they said true? Well, no. Well, then why are you receiving it? Dodge it. You just need to dodge it. And again, I'm going to read 1 Peter 2.23. Speaking of Jesus, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Just turn him over to the Lord and pray for him. 1 Samuel 18.12 says, Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Boy, you never want to be in that place. You know, the great thing about receiving the Lord Jesus Christ is that he'll never leave you or forsake you. We have that promise. Praise God. Verse 13, Therefore Saul removed him from his presence, made him his captain over a thousand. He went out and came in before the people. So he's going in and out and fighting the battles and always coming back victorious. Verse 14, and David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him, meaning even more afraid of him. He's, you know what he's seen? He's seen that this, all these victories and stuff, they're not going to his head. That's very wise. I mean, he, he's killed Goliath. You just think by killing Goliath, you might come back a little cocky. But he didn't. And then, you're now captain over an army. Now you're a captain over thousands. And every battle he's going out, he is just whooping the Philistines. And now people are coming out singing his name in a song. Wherever he goes, he's in that number one hit song. Wherever he goes, and he's still behaving wisely. All those years, if you ask me, being a shepherd, meditating, just him and the Lord, are really paying off right now because it's not going to his head. He's behaving very wisely here. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in from before them. Then Saul said to David, here's my older daughter Merab, or Merib, and I will give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me. Fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. And so Saul's plan here is that I will look good in front of the people. I'll give my daughter to David and then let him lead my army into the fiercest battles with the Philistines because surely he's not going to win all of them. I'll let the Philistines take care of him. But David said to Saul, who am I? What is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be a son-in-law to the king? And he's saying, no, that's way too great of an honor for me. And you're going, what? Dude, kill Goliath. Anything, be the king's son-in-law. You did a great work here. You're doing all this stuff. And he's just going, no, there's just, I, I, I don't deserve that. I, I'm not going to take that honor. Um, but it happened the time where, when uh, Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David that she was given to uh, Adriel the the Helothite as a wife. So this makes it sound like Saul has been presenting his, his daughter to him. He's saying, no, she's going, look, I'm not going to wait anymore. There's another guy that likes me, so I'm going to marry him. And so David just, he's just going, I, I don't want to be the, uh, the king's uh, son-in-law. So, but then it says in verse 20, now Michael, Saul's daughter, 
loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Um, it's interesting here, this is the only place you're going to find where a woman loved a man in the Old Testament. I don't know what that means. I just find it interesting. And then verse 21, so Saul said, I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him. That the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, you shall be my son-in-law today. Now, when Saul says to uh, uh, says this about Michael, how she is going to be a snare for David, what does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? A snare usually is not a good thing. It usually speaks of an entrapment. It usually speaks of entrapment by way of idolatry is what's being spoken of here. Now this is, now I want you to kind of go with me here. Is it possible that Michael is not a godly girl? That she doesn't really love the Lord God of Israel, that she is dabbling in other gods. And I would submit to you as we go into chapter 19 here that that's exactly the case. We're going to see this later on in, in David's life when he brings back the uh, um, when he brings back the Ark of the Covenant to uh, to um, when he brings it back. I'm not sure if that's Jerusalem or not actually, uh, but when he does bring it in, is that Jerusalem, John? That he's bringing it to? Yeah, I don't think so either. But anyway, Michael is all upset. Because he's dancing around and, you know, his, his, you know, his robe kind of came up or something. And people were able to see if he was a BVD or a boxer man. And so, said so that was atrocious. I can't believe that he did that. And he's saying, I'm worshiping before the Lord. And yet, he was basically telling her, if you can't do that, if you can't see that, it's like, wow. Just remember, I'm worshiping before the Lord who God made me king over your father. There's a quick, quick little slam there. And, I, and there's a great teaching in that, and it says, and she was barren the rest of her life. And I would tell you this, that is speaking spiritually, that if you um, cannot worship the Lord, that you cannot just give your all to the Lord, you're, you're going to experience a barrenness in your life. And you're wondering why people have this joy in their life. And, and I, you show me someone who has the joy of the Lord, I'll show you somebody who worships God. You know. But here in chapter 19, and we'll get more into this next week, uh, Lord willing, it says, um, and Saul is trying to kill David at this point. And it, so it says in verse 11, and now they're married. And it says, Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him, to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michael let David down through a window. He went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image, laid it in the bed, but covered it of goat's hair for his head and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she says, he is sick. And so they sent the messengers back to see David saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. And so when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. And the word for image there is teraphim which means household idols. And these weren't little, you know, 
statue idols. I mean, it was big enough for them to put in the bed as an image to where you just cover it with little goat's hair there and fluff it up and things like that, and, and it looks like there's a person in there. It's like having a big old statue of Buddha in your house. You know, this teraphim is obviously pretty big. This idol is big enough that you put it in the bed and it actually looks like a person's in there. That tells you something right there. And is it possible that Saul was actually planning for his daughter to sway David's heart away from the Lord? For what reason? So God would judge him. Because he knows all about God's judgment, doesn't he? The spirit of the Lord was taken away from him. Maybe God will take the spirit of the Lord away from David. And now they'll be on equal footing. You know, misery loves company. Much like Balaam did with the king of Moab, Balak, uh, Balaam could not curse Israel, so instead he counsels Balak to send uh, his hot women down there to, to try and lead the uh, men of Israel astray into worshiping their gods in a sexual manner. To where then God will judge him, and it's like, Balak, you don't have anything to worry about. Wow. What a messed up mindset. Saul seems to be doing the very same thing to David using his own daughter. And so in verse 22, it says, And Saul commanded his servants, communicate with David secretly and say, Look, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now therefore become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke to those words in the hearing of David, and David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law, seeing I'm poor and lightly esteemed man? And you're going, What? But he still sees himself, in a sense, of that shepherd boy. He still sees himself as, this, this, is, this is really who I am. David, you killed Goliath. You're, you're winning all these victories. You're, you're the head of the army. You're, you're this, you're that. And no, I'm just a man that's lightly esteemed. Man, talk about humility. It's amazing he can remain humble here. The Bible tells us God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. We see this three times in Scripture, Proverbs 3.34, James 4.6, and 1 Peter 5.5. 5. And then it says in 1 Peter 5.6, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. A lot of people don't see that last part, in due time. And so we're, we're, we're being humble, we're doing what God has called us to do, and we're just thinking, and sometimes we turn around to God and say, hey, it's time. <laughs> And God's going, uh-uh, in due time, I know when it's time. I will exalt you in due time, or in other words, in my time, in my timing. And so we see this, this incredible humility in David's life. And it's, it's marvelous to see. And then it says in verse 24, And the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this manner David spoke. And Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, the king does not desire any dowry, but 100 foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul sought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David. It pleased him well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired. So that tells me right there that, that King Saul actually gave him a time period in which to do this. Because it's not expired. So it's been given to him. The time hasn't expired. He's planning his strategy, however that is. He's probably seeking the Lord. Where do you want me to go? 
and he's going to kill 100 Philistines. Therefore, David arose, went, he and his men, killed 200 men of the Philistines, and David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full count to the king. That would not have been a pleasant job on many different levels. You know, and I just wonder if all of a sudden he's going 56, 56, oh, one, two, three, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so, and, and so it says that, and he killed 200 men of the Philistines. He only was required 100. But he killed 200 men of the Philistines, and David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full count to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, as a wife. Now, I was reading uh, in a a commentary, and I didn't catch this, and I thought this was really good, that Saul demanding the foreskins of the Philistines as a dowry for for Michael, there's there's a theme here in 1 Samuel that Saul was at Gilgal, um, Gilgal is the place where Israel was circumcised when they entered the land uh, to remove the reproach from Egypt when they came in the land, according to Joshua 5, 1 through 9. And yet, it's also here at Gilgal that twice Samuel told Saul that he had been cut off from the kingdom, uh, from God's kingdom, and that he was not going to be the one. Uh, in 1 Samuel 13, 14, in Gilgal, he says, and now your kingdom shall not continue. And then in 1 Samuel 15, um, verse 26, Samuel says, to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned around to go away. Saul seized the edge of his robe and tore it, and Samuel said, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has been given to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And that word torn is cut off. And so it, it, it kind of speaks of this, that because of the flesh, you're in the flesh, you have now been cut off. And, uh, and so I thought that was very, very interesting. And so then it goes on, and it says, um, verse 28, Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David, so Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was, whenever they went out, that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. And so he's just acting more and more wisely, and, uh, and everybody loves him. There's only one guy that doesn't, and that's the king, and that's Saul himself. Um, it's going to be fun. I think it's already been fun going through... First Samuel, but I, I, I love the typology that's going on here. I love the fact that I believe that we need to be like, um, like Jonathan and that we need to step out of that role of being self-rule. We're now handing it over to the Lord Jesus Christ as he did with David. Uh, we see the humility that's being required of us. doesn't matter how harsh our masters are. We work as unto the Lord uh, and we will be exalted in due time, you know. And so uh, it's, there's some great life lessons here. And then we see, you know, Saul throwing the spear. Um, here he wants someone to kill Goliath. But what ends up happening is that he becomes Goliath. He becomes the monster now. He's the one that's now throwing the spear. David is, is a perfect example of why we need to dodge the spear. And just put him in the Lord's hands. 
Amen. Let's pray. Neither death nor even life. Let nothing ever separate us. That completes this Tuesday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Join us Wednesday as we continue our study in 1 Samuel. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit with us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings. On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our Young Adults Ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Castle Rock. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. We are so blessed you've joined us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Forevermore.